What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Facade. I'm your host, Gavin Gallagher, and on this podcast, I explore the mental and emotional game often playing out subconsciously in your mind and in the minds of everyone else in the real estate or property investment market. The key to this game is your, to master your mindset and behavior, to get control of your thought processes, uh, your emotions, and most importantly, your ego. Last week, I talked about my first couple of deals, my best deal and my worst deal. And, um, I, you know, during those uh, talks, I, it it's, it's kind of be, can be painful to share sometimes the amount of money that I lost from making kind of silly errors along the way. But that is life and that is part of what is going to be um, in today's podcast on talking about money. So this is going to be podcast number nine. We're getting close to the number 10 mark and I'm quite um, pleased with that. So today, let me just give you a quick update on what's going on. First of all, I've released uh, the podcast this morning, um, that episode we just mentioned. And I have also created a YouTube channel called Behind the Facade, which just for those of you who prefer to listen via YouTube and uh, rather than a podcast platform, it's there, it's available now online and um, you'll find it. There's no moving pictures or anything like that. All of my content in terms of video content regarding the lives that I do here and stuff, all of that ends up in my PropTech TV YouTube channel. So if you guys want to click on the PropTech TV, uh, go into YouTube, PropTech TV, all one word, and just subscribe there and you'll get a lot of this kind of stuff. And I also put kind of additional videos and um, talks that I give. Um, my, my keynote that I did in London talking about my career and um, how the office market has been changed. That is actually there as well, along with a couple of other things. Also, this week, we just hit 100 uh, members in the Behind the Facade community. And that is the Facebook group that is here. And I'm live streaming right here. Uh, but at the same time, guys, I'm TikToking away live over here. And uh, TikTok seems to be an amazing platform to um, to gain uh, listeners and followers. And I've noticed a massive uptick in my um in my traffic online and stuff because of TikTok. So welcome TikTokers. So today let's get into the session and it's all about money, raising money. And um, I'm going to break it down, as I mentioned, into a couple of different series that'll play out during the week. And um, the to start out, a lot of questions I'm getting in from people is all about how do I get started? How do I start? I've got no money. And how am I going to get into this business? And it's it's a difficult thing for people at the outset, because first of all, to, to actually get to the beginning of any real estate investment career, you have got to begin with a, a sizable lump of cash. And that is for your deposit that you're going to put down on your property. You pretty much can't pass go without something like that. And now I do see there are guys that will, you know, have podcasts and YouTube channels out there saying that they can do it all with zero cash down and stuff. And, you know, that may be true, but I'm kind of skeptical in that. And I think what that relies on is, you know, this finding that one in a million person who is willing to give you the chance to commit to you, uh, commit to your, their property to you to buy when you can eventually raise the money later. And a lot of the time what that involves is you've got to try to add the value while the property still belongs to them. So you sort of go along to them and you say, I'd like to buy your property. And they say, well, it's 100,000. And you think, okay, well, I can actually probably turn that into 200,000 worth of value. 
and you say, well, look, I can't give you the money now, but I can give you the money in, you know, a year's time. Would that be okay? And you're relying on the guy to kind of accept that as a condition. But meanwhile, you got to go off, you got to do a load of work, you got to turn that 100 into 200. And you got to, I mean, unless you get the guy to actually sign a binding commitment that he can't pull the deal from you, it's very hard. I just, I don't see a lot of people accepting that. So I think really, if you want to be realistic about it, go back to the beginning and sort of say, look, this is going to begin with you saving money, building up a deposit. And you can do that a number of different ways, which I'll be going into today. But I'm thinking about it from the point of view of, you know, maybe you're fortunate enough to have family that can actually give you uh, some money up front and, and lend you some money or something like that. It is difficult without having your own money to actually uh, get move forward in this game because basically any investor, any bank at all, the very first thing they want to know is that you have some skin in the game. And um, so let's get into some of this. But before I get into the technical kind of stuff around this, there's a whole area around mindset. And um, one of the uh, one of the best podcasts out there in terms of um, mind, mindset around money and stuff like that is a friend of mine who's actually, I think, watching live here. He's in the group, Jason Greystone. Grace, Jason has a podcast called Always Free. And I'd strongly recommend you guys check it out because it's very much in this kind of area as well. And um, from the from my point of view, mindset, everything revolves around how you think in this business and how you think about literally everything in your life. From the morning that you get up, um, how you think about the day and how it's going to unfold, all of that is entirely in your head. You can get up and sort of roll out of bed and think that, uh, you know, I'm exhausted, I'm tired, it's raining outside, I'm going to have a crappy day. You've just created a crappy day for yourself. You have got to go and believe that you're, the way you think about everything is entirely what creates your reality. And if you don't believe that, just have a look around at some of the people that have achieved amazing things in the world. They did not think it was going to be possible unless they believed deeply that they were capable. Jason has just put a, a link to his always free podcast up there for anyone who's looking on the YouTube group or on the Facebook group to TikTokers. Um, I'll, I might add that in later. Um, so the impact of your thoughts controls basically everything in your life. And if you're unable to move forward and kind of come to go to a positive place in your mind, it's very, very hard to actually break away from these kind of controlling beliefs that you'll have. I know one of the ways that I do it is um, I get up every morning uh, quite early and I go and I, I basically sit down and I have a journal and I, and I write in the journal. I write down a number of my goals and my ambitions and things like that and how I'm going to achieve them. And that is just my little reminder first thing in the morning. Then I go for a, some exercise and I'm pretty uh, obsessed with my health and my fitness. And I spend a lot of time getting fit and staying fit and things like that. So one of the things that you need to do, I think, is, is build exercise and a kind of a moment of reflection first thing in the morning into your routine. If you do that, you'll start the day with a kind of a positive outlook. And the, the great thing about exercise, apart from just being good for your whole body, is that the endorphins that it releases puts you into a good mood. And usually when I'm out running, I'll go for a run on one day. I'll usually do kind of like seven or eight miles. And then on the second day, I do a, a kind of a weight, either a weightlifting or a calisthenics, which is, you know, um, burpees and all that kind of body weight related uh, exercises. 
So that gets the mindset going and you can start to sort of believe that you can achieve great things. And you, but you've got to be focused, obviously. Now, when you're young, when you're starting out, this raising of the money that you want to do for your, for your life, um, you, you've got to kind of, you know, in order to set up your life for success, you've got to put some work into it. You've got to sacrifice a few things. And that is one of the main things. You know, when you get into the idea that God, you know, a deposit on a house, that's like 50,000 euro or something like that, or $50,000 pounds, whatever it is, whatever country that you're looking in from, by the way, there's, there's a lot of different countries looking in these days, which is uh, quite exciting. I have um, somebody looking in from Kuwait. So um, hello to you. Uh, I just saw your email sign up this morning. Um, getting back to it, um, it looks like a huge mountain to climb to save up 20, 30, 50,000, 100,000, whatever it is, massive, massive hill to climb. But you've just got to understand that every single journey starts with the first step. And um, when I, I've done, I've done actually, a, I don't know, like seven or eight marathons now in my life. And I've done two uh, of the half Ironman competitions. And these things here, I remember the first time I signed up for a marathon, I remember thinking to myself, I could not achieve that. It's not within my capability. I just, I was never really a runner. I was never really this kind of person that, so to me, a marathon was not something that I was capable of. Then I started hanging around with a group of friends that were actually training for a marathon and their mindset actually carried me. And a year later, I actually lined up and I did the New York marathon, 26 miles. It nearly killed me. I did it in four hours, 54 minutes. So it was not a record breaking time by any chance, uh, by any by any measure. But one of the things that was amazing about it was that the, the year before, I didn't believe I was capable of it. Following year, I had done my first marathon. And then the year after that, I did the second marathon and I did it in a time of four hours and 15 minutes. So, you know, bringing down the time substantially. And then I went on and my best time was three and a half hours, but that was over years. So you got to have patience in this game. Um, so the first step in every marathon is, is your first step basically. And if you're going to go and save up money, you've got to start putting it aside and you've got to start thinking about the sacrifices you're going to make in order to start saving money. Everybody is, um, is very quick to spend money on things that they want right now, but very few people think about five, six years down the road and what you'll have if you start making those kind of sacrifices. Another thing that you need to think about is the quality of thinking that you're being exposed to. I just mentioned the friends that I surrounded myself with when I was training for the marathon. Now, that is something that is key to this thing because if you're surrounding yourself with a load of friends that don't share your goals and your ambitions and your values you're going to find that they try to talk you out of a whole lot of stuff and one of the things that I found was I had a couple of friends in college and they just they just didn't have the same interests as me I would be you know being honest, when I was in college, I was buying, um, I had some savings at that stage and I was putting them into the stock market. So I was buying shares and I can, um, I can remember buying these shares and, uh, and they actually doubled in value over a period of maybe two years. So the savings that I had put into there, I managed to double them. And at the same time I was working, um, I actually had a kind of a side business, a side hustle, which was car valeting business. And so I used to wash cars on the weekend and then in the summertime I went all into it and I do it for the entire summer. And I used to save up decent money at that. I remember I would get 30 pounds or euros or whatever it was. I'd get, I'd get 30 per car per day or per 
wash basically and I would be able to do two full jobs or three full jobs in a day so potentially 90 euro a day if I had the customers waiting and you know do the math this is you know I'm talking about 30 years ago and uh, so you know 90 euros a day was about nine times what somebody would earn working in a pub as a barman or as a as a wait staff in a bar so you know, you've got to look around. Um, if I had just listened to the friends that I had, you would have ended up just, I would have ended up working in a bar. Instead, I wanted something bigger. I wanted, I wanted to achieve more. So I pushed myself and I went out and did that kind of thing. Um, so careful who you surround yourself with, careful with the kind of advice you're getting with, and be careful how you compare yourself with others. Um, over the years, I've had moments of weakness myself where a friend of mine would show up um, to, to, to show me his fancy new car. And, uh, you know, as soon as you see one of your friends driving a flashy car, immediately the little devil is sitting on your shoulder saying, geez, you know, you could afford that. You've got your savings in the bank. You could easily afford that, you know. And this is the kind of thing that happened over the years. Um, I'm getting a message here. I'm at 38. Are you too late? No, you're not. Never too late. Um, you got to understand that so many people, um, if you look at people like, for example, the guy that's founded McDonald's, he didn't start McDonald's until he was in his 50s. Like so. And then the guy who started Kentucky Fried Chicken, I think, was in his 60s or 70s. So, you know, it's all in the mind. If you believe that at 38, you are, you know, old hat, then that's true. You're old hat. But if you just believe, of course, I can do it. I'm only 38. That's your whole mindset shifted and now it's possible. Yeah, so we've got a couple of 38-year-olds on the, on the podcast here who, uh, who are um, doing okay and uh, 38 is not too late to start by any means. So next thing is comparing yourself. Yeah, I've just been talking about people showing up in, um, in cars, show, showing up with a fancy watch. All of this stuff drives you to feel like that you need to compete. Now, I remember back in college, uh, well, not so much college, probably the first year or two out, I had friends that got um, good jobs over in London and I went over to visit them and they were living this lifestyle where they were earning big money because they were working for banks and I was still studying. Um, so I was an architecture student studying and I didn't have anything like the kind of money that they had. But I can remember, you know, um, it was actually around the weekend that um, Lady Diana died and I was in London for that weekend visiting my friends. And it was a crazy kind of time and they were out drinking and like the guys would literally spend a thousand pounds sterling a night out in the bars and stuff. And they had expense accounts and they had all this kind of stuff. And I can remember coming back to Ireland thinking, crying out loud, how can I compete with that? And the reality is, is that you don't have to compete with that. You just have to get your own mind very much set on what your goals and what your future is. I mean, if going drinking a thousand euros worth or pounds sterling worth of alcohol is appealing to you, well then go ahead and do it. But that's not that important to me. And therefore, you've just got to make sure that you're not comparing yourself with somebody who has completely different values in life. Those same people that I was with that weekend, one of them is already dead. And uh, the other one is, well, he's a successful guy financially, but he has, um, he's put on an awful lot of weight and things like that. And he would not be a healthy person in terms of his lifestyle. So, you know, you've got to balance what you want. You know, it, do you just want money or do you want to have money and all of these other things in your life? I want money. I want the balance. I want the health and life, you know, the health and fitness. I want to have 
an amount of free time to pursue my own kind of interests, all of this stuff. Um, anyone who's asking specific questions, I'll try and deal with those later because right now I'm getting through going through my talk here and I can't interrupt it to be reading um, tips and stuff uh, or questions. So the next thing is, this is one of the reasons why I've created this podcast, by the way. The, the whole purpose of the name behind the facade is that there is a facade that people have in front of them. And if you are putting on a facade, if you're pretending to be something that you're not, then you're not living up to your true potential. There's a huge amount of people out there who they borrow everything and they, 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 you know, they want all they care about is how they look to other people. They don't think about their own goals and their own uh, things that they want to achieve in life. And so I've seen guys, you know, borrowing themselves up to the hilt and they've got, you know, the flashy car. I said, back in 2008, during the, 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 before the crash, there was guys, there was like literally brand new Bentleys driving around everywhere. There was helicopters flying overhead all the time. That was the year that 136 helicopters were registered in Ireland and 136 people had bought helicopters. Now, two years later, something like 110 of those helicopters were sitting in a bank kind of repossession situation where the guy that had bought, the, the, all the various people that had bought them, they literally didn't have the money to actually pay the insurance on these, par on these helicopters. They just wanted to look like Mr. Big flying around in a helicopter. And, but to the outside looking in, you saw the guy with the helicopter and you thought, wow, this guy is so successful. He has his own helicopter. It was all built on this bullshit. And these guys were literally just every penny that came in went straight back out on expenses and things like helicopters and all that. I mean, anybody can do anything if you borrow it all from the banks, but do you actually have the substance behind? So behind the facade, what's actually true behind the facade? That is what I'm talking about. And try to live your life in a kind of congruent way and don't be putting on these kind of bullshit things just so that you kind of keep up with and impress people. And that's one of the things that you'll find with Instagram. You, you're looking through, you're flicking through all of the pictures and you see these amazing like lifestyles and you see these amazing travel videos and stuff. And it's all fantastic and it's very inspiring. But the reality is, is that so many of those guys uh, don't have a penny. They've, they've managed to either get sponsored for that video or whatever it is. And um, I mean, it might look good, but you don't know. That is the highlight reel. That is what's going on at the front that they want you to see. They don't see all the stuff behind. Maybe the guy's up to his health with debt or maybe his, you know, he's got no relationships. Maybe he works solidly all the time and doesn't have any friends. And stuff. You just, you're just seeing the highlight reel. So just remember, the only thing that's important is what's happening in your mind, not in the mind of others. And don't try to live up to the expectations of others. Just make sure you stay on your own North Star. So why is money important? This is, um, it's kind of an obvious question, obviously. And I know a lot of people that would um, sort of say, don't be stupid. That is, you know, that's too bloody obvious. But actually, a lot of people are only thinking in a very short-sighted way. You're thinking about today, what you can buy today, what you can buy tomorrow, what you can buy next month. Very few people are thinking about it 10 years, 20 years from now, even let's say 40 years from now. A lot of young people watching this um, video or this podcast, guys in their 20s and stuff. Now, guys, 
I'm sure 40 years sounds like, a, you know, two lifetimes away and therefore not something you should be thinking about. But I can tell you now that life passes by very, very quickly. And you can easily imagine that, you know, I'll think about all of this later when I have, you know, when I'm, when I'm a bit older, I'll start putting money aside. But right now I want to have fun. And that is one of the big problems with the financial education and financial wisdom is that most people they want now instant gratification uh, or as I often call it in the property business uh, it's premature gratification and by that I mean guys want to pay themselves before the deal is done they want to get the money out because the bank just lent the money and they want to take that out and they want to put it into lifestyle but they haven't actually made the money yet they're they're just they've got access to money so you got to understand money is like a snowball and uh, as you're growing it, if you keep enrolling it, you're constantly growing. It's constantly getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But as soon as you stop rolling it, it just sits there at the same static amount and then it starts to melt and it starts to shrink away. And that is the very same way with money and with your, you know, with retirement and with the ability to kind of grow investments. If you start chipping away at it early, you'll end up with very little to show for it when you're older. And um, one of those things, it's very, very, it's one of the things that we're all built in with as DNA. Uh, part of our DNA is that we want stuff now. It goes back to when we, you know, we were developing as, as kind of a homo sapiens back in the, you know, in the plains of Africa. You wanted to eat now because this could be your only meal. You didn't know what was in the future, so you wouldn't save for the future in case you could lose it or whatever. You've got to think differently. You've got to think about putting stuff aside because um, at some point in the future, you're going to reach a point where you suddenly go, oh, damn, you know, why didn't I start saving a couple of years ago? They always say that when was the first, when was, when's the best time to buy a property or to start saving for your retirement? Yesterday. And when's the next best time? Right now. Patience and discipline is the next thing I want to get into. And um, to get rich takes patience and discipline. To just build, accumulate money, build your wealth, it takes discipline and patience. And that, you know, that might not seem like a very glamorous statement. And it might seem like, oh, come on, let's not hear this. But if you want to actually build your wealth, then you need to start putting some discipline in place. And um, when when you when you reach reach a retirement and whether that's the age of 35 i mean i achieved financial freedom at the age of 35 but then i went into 2008 and i got hammered by the crash and i ended up not financially uh, retired <laughs> but I, d I achieved it for a short period of time and I moved to spain and had a great time for a while but then the crash came along so i got taught a humbling lesson at the time and that is something that i don't want you guys to go through so one thing to remember is that the average retirement pot when you save up for your whole life you've, you work for 40 years and at the end i think the average is like somewhere between 70 and a hundred thousand um pounds, euros, whatever that it might be. And you've got, you say, if you decide at the age of 65 or whatever, that you're, you're not, you're not going to work anymore. And you have a hundred thousand in your bank, you have got probably another 15 years on average. I mean, if you use the average lifespan of say 75, you have 15 years or 10, 10 years. If you retired 65, you've got 10 say years or 15 years left. And you've got a hundred thousand in your pot. If you're an average person. That 100,000 is going to last you uh, 10 years if you're spending uh, 10,000 a year. 10,000 a year 
in 40 years time, I can tell you is not going to be very much. Um, 10,000 today, you, you won't pass go. Like to rent a property costs a thousand a month. So, you know, straight away, you're just using your money literally just to survive and to stay still. And so you've got to start thinking about your retirement in a much more serious kind of a way. And when I say retirement, I don't I'm not talking about, you know, stopping work and all that. I'm talking about accumulating wealth. I'm talking about having a portfolio of properties that are significant, that is growing faster than you can spend the money. And I'm not saying you're going to go crazy spending the money, but I'm saying that you get you reach financial freedom when the portfolio that you have built actually is growing in value and throwing off more cash every year than you need to sustain your lifestyle. Once you achieve that, you're actually in a very good place because every year you can just look around and you can you basically, you're not under stress to find something to make money. You're actually confident. You're looking around. You're thinking to yourself, mm, what, what will I buy? What looks good? Or perhaps I won't do anything this year because the market is at the top. These are all things that you can achieve if you put the work in at the early stages and you're disciplined. And by that, I mean saving money and, uh, and putting money aside and building up a bit of a nest egg. There's, there's, there's two parts to making money. There's the actual making of it and then there's the holding on to it. And I can tell you making money is actually easy. It's holding on to it is the difficult bit. And by holding on to it, I mean you can actually burn away so much money through lifestyle and through poor discipline. And um, this is something that actually it'll be an interesting um, for, for many of you to understand that you, for those of you in the Ireland and the UK audience, you know all about Premier League footballers and, um, and things like that. For those of you looking in from the US or whatever, the uh, NFL, the National Football, American Football Association or the NBA, the basketball guys. All right. So 60 percent of all Premier League footballers are bankrupt within five years of retirement. And those guys retire young, like in their 30s, uh, usually because they can't keep up with the, the pace of the game or whatever. Maybe they make it to 40, but you're retiring at 40 and by 45, you're bankrupt. Um, in America, it's the same in the, the, the National Basketball Association. Now, these are guys that are earning 30,000 a week salaries. And so they're massively, massively compensated. And yet they end up bankrupt within five years. Now, it's even worse in the National Football League. Those American football players, 78% of those guys are bankrupt within two years of retirement. And those guys are playing a game that is uh, it's pretty hard on the body. And so you can get a bad uh, injury and that's it. You're already retired. But these guys, while they're playing and while they're successful in their game, they are earning like hundreds of thousands if not millions a year, and yet they end up managing to go bankrupt by the time they are in their, um, you know, within five years of their career. And why is that? It's because their lifestyle and their spending patterns and they have lack of discipline. And usually these guys, they earn a whole lot of money very, very early and they don't actually uh, have any financial wisdom or any financial experience and they basically go and blow it. And if you're earning 30,000 a week as a footballer, and you've got, you know, the press following you around, taking photographs and you've got, you know, everyone jumping at you, trying to kind of get your autograph and all this. Of course, you think you're a superstar and you can't do anything wrong. And yes, the champagne lifestyle will follow and all of that is going to happen. But you're going to start getting yourself 
used to a certain lifestyle and a certain level of a lifestyle and you'll develop around you a circle of friends that are used to that kind of lifestyle and when you retire you go from 30,000 a week to zero a week and but your your spending patterns are still at the level of 30,000 a week so you're going to go and just burn through all of that cash and you've also you've got the ego and this is one of the things I talk about my three E's in real estate ego emotions and the economy those are the things that'll sink you and your ego if you've been the big guy that's earning 30,000 a week as a footballer and then you retire and suddenly you know you say okay now I'm not going to buy the, the, the Maserati and I'm not going to live in that mansion anymore I need to live in a more modest house none of that is going to work for your ego because you've built yourself up the thing is is never to let yourself get that big in the first place keep yourself at a modest level I would much rather have um, a huge nest egg when I'm a little bit older so that I'm kind of totally comfortable than trying to accelerate it all to the very front so that you make all of your money up front and you blow it all before you're actually getting to 40. Um, so these guys, I mean, it's just crazy when you think about that. So lifestyle, keeping up the Joneses. So that is, once again, like I said, I mentioned earlier, you meet your friend, your friend's wearing the fancy watch or, they, or the new handbag or the new, you know, whatever it happens to be, those things are going to cause you to want to go out and splurge yourself. And why is that? Maybe you've got some savings in the bank. Maybe you've got, you know, if you've saved, you've been saving, you've been saving, you've been working hard, you've been doing your side hustle, you've got money in the bank. Suddenly somebody is there flashing a nice watch in front of you or they're driving a fancy car or whatever it might be. They've just come back from an amazing holiday and they're bragging about it. You have no idea deep down what's going on there. Do they, do they have to borrow all of that money? And just because you've got five, 10, 15 grand, whatever it might be sitting in your bank and you're thinking, God, I could go and afford one of those watches. And you're thinking, mm, maybe I should go and do it just to show the guy that I also have that money. You want to be a contrarian, somebody who basically you sets your own path. You don't let other people influence you. You need to be really, really disciplined and very, very careful about not allowing other people to influence you away off the path that you're on. If you want to be wealthy, if you want to be, you know, a person who is rich um, financially, and by the way, rich is a, is a dangerous word. Rich in terms of financially, yeah, that all makes a lot of sense. But don't you want to be healthy as well? Don't you want to have a nice family life? Do you want to have all that? So don't make... Don't wrap your ego up in money exclusively. Have the other sides to your life as well, like health and all of that kind of stuff. So, Leah, keeping up with the Joneses is one of the big problems in life. Um, making money easy, yes. Hanging on to it is the tough bit. And one of the things I've learned is that success is a very, very poor teacher. And um, I have burned millions in the years now. I, I during during the run up to 2008, I made like tens of millions. And then um, I, I actually watched it go negative for a couple of years. And it was a scary, stressful, stressful time. And it was all because of lack of discipline myself. So when I'm talking about it, I'm not preaching to you guys uh, from from up on the top of the mountain. I'm a guy that actually went through this. I had extremely stressful time. Um, when the markets went down and that's one of the other E's I talk about I talk about the economy the economy will always falter at some point and it will always falter when you least expect it and every single one of you here did not hear of coronavirus COVID-19 last November 
Last November was the top of the market pretty much everywhere, whether it's the stock market, whether it's the um, all of this stuff, um, stock market, property market, everything. People sold out back in November. They got out of the absolute top of the market and then we went into coronavirus. Nobody saw it coming. So a lot of people go out, buy a lot of stuff and um, and get themselves into a lot of trouble and then suddenly find they're on the back foot and they're unable to make the next payment. Um, so patience and discipline, I've gone, I said it a few times, nothing worthwhile is easy. And that is one of the things that you should remember. If you go into... Um, Look at anything. Look at uh, anything that's worthwhile doing. It takes an enormous amount of hard work and sacrifice. If you think about the marathons I mentioned earlier, doing a marathon, to, to achieve a marathon, you know, you can't just go out and do that. It takes months of going out and running long runs. And one of the things that you do actually in training for a marathon is in the couple of weeks before a marathon, you actually build yourself up to running the full distance of the marathon in your training. So when I did this, my second marathon, I had I trained for months and months with a friend of mine and we got to the point where we are through I think four weeks before the marathon I ran 24 miles with my friend and it took us hours and uh, but that was part of the training building your leg strength up to the point where you can do 24 miles in a single run and I mean nobody's out there cheering you on doing 24 miles when you do the actual marathon you do 26 miles but you've got millions of people screaming out shouting your name and new york city is an amazing marathon to do and they're all screaming and shouting and you wear your name across your t-shirt and uh, they're they're all out there screaming and shouting that is really encouraging and all that but actually the hard work is the training it's the months of build up to that and that's where the sacrifice comes it's the very same with building money at the outset if you need to save a deposit for a house the sacrifice and the hard work comes in you know, maybe a year or two, three years before that success. And so you need to think about, first of all, what are you spending your money on? I mean, a lot of people, it depends on your circumstances, your age, things like that. But if you're young, I've had a couple of people this week who are sort of either in school or studying and they're asking me, how do you get started? And the first thing is just to start saving, start doing weekend work, you know, put in, find a job that you're good at and go off. I remember with my car valeting business, that was my weekend job. I used to go around, I used to print off these pamphlets and drop them into people's letterboxes saying, I do, I valet cars. And I get, I'd start, they'd start ringing my home. I'd have a note from my mom at home. When the, when the phone rings, take the name and address and, I, and, and take a time or whatever, and I'll go and clean their car. So my mom was acting like my secretary back then. And um, in the same way, uh, you know, you guys will find anything. One thing to remember nowadays is that technology just makes all of this so much easier. And um, a lot of people think it was easier back in my day. Far from it. There was, um, there's an awful lot more opportunities out there now to sort of sell and get yourself out there. I had to print forms and put them into letter boxes. And then I went into a, uh, into a business uh, complex in the city centre then in the summertime. And I would put under every single windscreen wiper, I would put a note saying, I wash cars, I do this, I do that and whatever. And I started to get phone calls from people saying, yeah, can you do my car or whatever? So that was a great business. And during the summer, I put a couple of thousand um, pounds. This is back in the day, Irish pounds, put a couple of thousand into my bank account. And then I started back into school or into college and, um, and I'd be slowly accumulating. Then I got a little bit more sophisticated. I started to put a little bit of that aside into the stock market. 
and and I started finding that I could put a thousand pounds into the stock market into certain type of share and now you got to be very careful with this because you can lose it just as quickly as you put it in but I found that I could I bought one or two good shares and actually doubled my money in them and so that all goes towards this nest egg that you're trying to build up and um if you don't want to do the hard work and you don't want to sacrifice, then pretty much you need to kind of give up in your dreams because the only way you're going to achieve this is with hard work and sacrifice. And um, some of the things that you can think about is just your exp- your spending patterns. Do you have, you know, a routine that you like to do every day? You like to go down to the nearby Costa Coffee or whatever it is and buy a, a coffee and a, something to eat or whatever. And you spend, you know, five, ten, whatever it is. Like every little thing like that just accumulates and over time. Uh, and I'm not saying that, you know, you have to completely give away with that. But if you analyze, if you analyze your spending patterns, you'll find that you spend a huge amount of money on just little things that incrementally add up to a lot over a year. And I look at things like, I mean, the amount of money that I spend, for example, on my telephone bill at home. And, you know, it's just every month it goes out the door. But then I suddenly realized that, geez, I spend 1,200 euros a year on my phone bill. And uh, all of these little things, when you start to realize that they, how much they add up. Uh, bonds, government bonds, all of that stuff you got to be careful about um, because of the interest rate that the, you get paid on it. Um, interest rate on government bonds is, is almost negative at the moment. And so you're not going to make any savings. What you've got to understand, we talked about the snowball earlier, is that compound interest is the most amazing thing. And you can find that if you start putting stuff away, even at a modest growth of like five to eight percent a year, if you can accumulate at that level, um, it grows substantially over time. And I put some money away back in 2008 in, in, into like a pension retirement type thing. And I completely forgot about it. And um, I, put, I think I put, I think I might have put 90,000 into it just before the crash. And I completely forgot about it. And then more recently, I started getting these emails from guys and that had grown to 250,000. And it's something that I didn't even notice because it was just there accumulating, slowly growing over time. And that's the kind of thing that you need to, you need to get it out of your sight. A lot of the time when you, if you've got money sitting in your account and every time you flip open your phone you can see that you've got you know so many thousand or whatever it's easy to dip into it it's probably better if you can actually hide that away put it somewhere where it's growing and somewhere where it's constantly out of your sight so that you kind of forget about it and you start thinking about making the next bit of money um so sacrifice hard work grind there is no other way there are no shortcuts here and um, you've got to go and figure out a way to earn your crust you can do that through so many different ways i mean i just mentioned one or two um but the nowadays you've got this online you've got the whole ability to go online there's upwork you could actually put yourself out there as a person who's capable of earning money um doing work for people online you can actually end up doing stuff all over the world you can maybe it's whatever your skills are you've got to think about those skills and how you can apply them to making some money and um, just remember the instant gratification is the big problem is as soon as you have money sitting in your pocket you're going to be motivated to spend it on stuff and it's much much easier to spend money right now than it is to think about the future it's everyone's 
mind is set up to spend money right now, um, to, to, to take the payment now, to take the instant gratification now. But your mindset might be telling you one thing, but your behavior doesn't map to that. And if I told you that I, I, I'm going to give you two choices, I'm going to give you 100 euro or 100 dollars or 100 pounds today. Would you like that? Or the alternative is I can give you a million uh, pounds, euro, dollars, whatever that is in 10 years time. Most people will say, geez, I like the million in 10 years time because 100 doesn't seem like much now. But the reality is, is that 100 put aside in 10 years time is going to be worth a million. So it's all the same. And one of the things so many people, uh, like if you put one pound or one euro, one dollar, you put that aside. If you manage to double that every single day, how quickly do you have a million? Most people don't realize it's actually only 20 days away if you can double it every day. So 20 days from now, one pound doubling becomes, uh, well, it's exponential, basically. It becomes 20 steps later, it's over a million. And um, But our behavior doesn't map to that. Even though we know these facts, it is still an awful lot easier to go and spend money right now because you have a taste for it. You want to go out, you want to have fun with your friends, whatever it is. You've got to try to think about where you're spending your money and is it possible to go out and... Um, and limit that uh, that loss, this leakage, basically. That's what we call it. So um, why am I going through all this? Well, because I want you guys to develop the habits and discipline before you start making money. Because once you start making the big money, then it's very easy to bring these discipline and these habits back into it. So yes, getting into it, why am I telling you all this? Really because uh, I know, having experienced it myself, that when you're starting out, if you start getting successful in the property business, it's very hard to turn back the clock and start installing all of these habits then. You've got to go and install them now so that they're kind of hardwired into you for when you're older. So making big money in property, it's actually quite easy to do once you've started the ball rolling. It's like that snowball we mentioned. It grows, it grows. Every, every time you buy a property, it grows a little bit more. Every year it grows for it. Now, obviously, you've got to get the timing right. And I'm going to be going into that later in the week. I'm going to be talking about like, there's going to be two more podcasts this week or two more lives uh, on Wednesday, I'm going to do one about the deal and about analyzing your deal and going through it all and, and finding your deal. And then on um, Friday, I'm going to talk about how to raise money from the banks and how to um, raise money from investors, because those are two things that will supercharge your ability to do all of this kind of stuff. Um, so that's it. Side hustles, saving money, all of that kind of stuff. It all helps. And obviously working evenings, evening job and stuff, but just don't follow the crowd. Start to think independently. Think about the way you can actually do an awful lot of this stuff um, in your own way. And just because I, I had friends back in, in, in college that were working jobs as waitstaff in bars. And, um, and I can remember thinking, oh, yeah, maybe I should do that. And then I did it one night and I think I earned 10 pounds in one evening and I got maybe six pounds worth of tips from various people. And I worked from seven until midnight or something like that. So five hours. And I can remember thinking to myself, why would anyone do that? I can go out and I can wash cars and in the space of one hour, I can make 30 euro. So I could make it, well, not one hour. It would probably take me say an hour and a half to two hours to, to fully valet a car in a decent way. 
So in two hours, I could make sort of 30 euro. I could do two cars a day. I'd be up to 60. And sometimes I'd be lucky enough to get the three cars and I'd get 90 euros. So I was making, you know, 10 times the amount that some of my friends were earning working in a bar. Uh, they often had to get the bus to get to the bar. And so they were, you know, spending the actual money they were earning getting there as well. So you have a look around and just make sure that whatever you're doing is the highest pay that you can possibly get. And the only other alternative to that is if you're looking to get into a particular area um, like property or whatever it is, sometimes you can do like an internship and you can get as close as possible to somebody who's done really well and done really successfully and you can kind of learn the ropes that way. And that is certainly something. I mean, anybody who watches Gary V or any of this, uh, that guy's got, you know, probably 15 or 20 interns working in uh, VaynerMedia um, at any one time. And that's because people want to get as close to Gary as possible. But he, you know, whatever you might think about Gary V, uh, some people can't stand him. I actually have a lot of respect for the guy. He's achieved something amazing. Yeah, he's brash and he talks about it, but that's his style. And, uh, you know, the American audience does appreciate that style. Uh, Upwork, uh, all of these kind of online um, places that you can actually sell your time. And um, you got to understand the opportunities out there are absolutely massive. Um, back in my day when you actually started a business you had to go into a situation where first of all to get a phone line for a business back in my day it would actually take you three months to order the phone before the phone was actually delivered and hardwired into your office um, nowadays you can have a mobile phone in a couple of minutes you just go into a place and you just get your sim card and whatever there you go um, Raising money nowadays, uh, which is obviously I'll be going into it about banks and investors, but you've also got crowdfunding opportunities and crowdsourcing. And um, one of the things that I would suggest that you guys all take very seriously is technology and innovation, because that is something that is changing the world rapidly. And for all of you young guys that are looking at this, thinking about what career, I can tell you now that the career that you would like doesn't even exist yet. Um, the, there are so many, there's so much technology and robotics and artificial intelligence and all of this stuff is happening so quickly and it's going to, by the way, it's going to completely transform the property market as well. The property market has been doing the same thing the same way for the last 2000 years. You buy property, you sell property, you, you know, you earn, you, you manage it a certain way. None, very little has changed and it's only now we're starting to see slight changes the way things are done and one of the things that um, i talk about in my uh, youtube channel is technology and innovation in real estate so you guys prop tech tv if you're looking for the youtube name it's all one word you can go check that out and second of all if um, there's a if you want to join the facebook group it's called behind the facade community and there's a good few guys on there we hit 100 members today and i'm hoping that'll grow after this live on TikTok, but the um, there's a couple of guys in there. There's one particular who I think is watching now, Ed Burke, and Ed is a prop tech entrepreneur. And uh, there's a lot of things that you can learn from the different people in that group. And I also mentioned Jason Greystone. He is also on this group as well. So, so that's it for episode nine of Behind the Facade. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this episode useful, please consider sharing it out to a friend or indeed leave a review on whatever platform you happen to be listening in on. 
If you have any questions or topics you'd like me to cover in future episodes, please leave a comment over on the Facebook page behind the facade. And while you're there, I'd love if you'd leave me a comment on where in the world you are listening in from. It's very interesting just to kind of see all the names popping up. And I see Kuwait now in the most recent one. So it's, it's really getting out there. So that's very interesting. If you would like to participate directly in any future live Q&A episodes, please join the new Facebook group Behind the Facade community, where I am very active and I do live daily um, videos, uh, real estate investment, innovation and impact. If you'd like to connect or learn any more about me, you can follow me on my social media and uh, you can sign up for my newsletter over on the website gavinjgallagher.com. And what I'd suggest is if you have a look, if you're looking, if you're going to have a look at the website, go directly to gavinjgallagher.com forward slash go. And that will bring you right into this kind of intro page that I've created. Lastly, guys, if you enjoyed this, then you'll no doubt enjoy my videos over on YouTube. So please check out my channel, PropTech TV, which besides the Facebook group is where I post most of my content on real estate innovation, investment and impact. And you'll find a, a link in the show notes below. All right, guys, look forward to speaking to you again next week. Mm -hmm.